0: What I like is the equity multiple and what that basically means is when do I double my money? What, what's, what percent am I making? So uh, if I want a, an equity multiple a two equity multiple, if I want to double my money, um, you know, and I can say, Hey, th- this deal doubles your money. We get a two, two times equity multiple in seven years. You can go, okay, I get it. I double my money in seven years. Great. I like the deal. Hello and welcome to Pillars of Wealth Creation, where we talk about creating financial success with a special focus on business and real estate. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. Now, let's get to it. Hey, our sponsor for the show today is Pine Financial Group, the leader in hard money lending in Colorado and Minnesota, and they were recently approved to offer their investment publicly. This investment offers only for investors in Colorado and Minnesota and is only made through their investment prospectus. Get your copy today. Simply visit www.pineinvestments.com and click to get started. Look, there's a reason why some of the wealthiest people in history invest in loans backed by real estate. Learn more about the risks and returns at www.pineinvestments.com. Hello and welcome back to Pillars of Wealth Creation. I'm your host, Todd Dexammer. With me today is Matt Jones. Matt, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing great. It's a beautiful day out. How about yourself?
0: I don't know about beautiful. It's like 20 degrees, isn't it? It's been freaking cold lately but hey that's all right we got to yeah. embrace it right we're from minnesota it's gonna snow oh actually it did snow a little bit just a tiny bit but we got to embrace it. it's coming
1: so yep hey for sure
0: winter's here i was talking to a guy just yesterday and you know i i've been I'm into winter sports and he said he's not into really any winter sports and I said man you got to get into winter sports winter gets long if you're not into mm-hmm. doing something outside you've got to like you got to enjoy it so winter winter's actually I look forward to it because we do a lot of uh downhill skiing and um you know we go outside and skate and just get out there and do things so I kind of look forward to it I although I don't like the uh 30 below wind chill At times, I do still enjoy winter. Yeah, that's fair.
1: There, there are certainly a lot of opportunities for different things in Minnesota.
0: It just kind of, you know, it kind of shifts around the seasons a little bit, and we get full, real winter. And people that aren't familiar with uh, Minnesota, I mean, we there's this snow that's on the ground today. This might not stick around, but very soon our snowfalls that'll stick around until March. And uh the ice is on the lakes already and that won't go off the lakes until you know probably April and even sometimes in May. So that's just how it is. Yeah. We gotta we gotta love it. So Matt, anything new uh with you that you wanna hit on or
1: Oh, I had some good reminders this week about how, uh, you know, managing tenants is pretty similar to uh, managing employees. Uh, You know, you got to continually train them, uh, you know, be firm with them, but fair at the same time uh, and just uh, keep good communication so they know what's what. uh, um, And so they can learn how to be good tenants and and maintain good tenancy.
0: Yeah, definitely important. Um, You can't be too, too lenient on them. I mean, if you're, if you're, always giving them the benefit of the doubt. They're going to step all over you and they're going to take advantage of that. So sometimes you've got to uh, be firm with them and you can't, you've got to run it like a business. You can't be emotional with your tenants. You just can't. You just got to run it like a business.
1: Yeah, absolutely. How about you? Anything new with you this week?
0: Uh, you know, n- nothing too new. Uh, one thing I want to hit on is, is I talk, I talk a lot about, you know, making sure you maintain your focus, cut out the BS so quit watching TV. I don't really watch TV. Yeah, but I found myself just fairly recently going, man, I'm, I feel like I'm just not getting a lot done, and I kind of took an inventory of what I've been doing, and and I started thinking about kind of my day and and what what am I wasting my time on, and I found that I was actually going on my phone, but um, I don't even like I don't even know why, but I'll be going on, onto my phone and I'll like search into some of the sports um, websites and check out like sports scores and check out stats and watch a couple highlight videos. And, you know, it's like, it'd be like kind of here and there type of thing, but I don't even, ex- even I wasn't tracking how much time I was spending out, but I'm just like, man, what am I doing? Like, why am I wasting my time on that? This is a bunch of BS. All it does is distract me from getting accomplishing what I want to get done. So that's a, you know, you always get, you got to step back and go, okay, what am I wasting my, my time on? Sometimes we don't realize the little things add up and uh, potentially really derail your day. So.
1: Oh, I hear you. I used to waste a lot of time playing uh, games on my phone. And then one day I decided uh, enough is enough and I deleted them all and haven't turned back.
0: Yeah. And you know, there's, I kind of got into a little bit of that for a while. I don't, I didn't play a lot of games, but you know, just like, you get into these little kind of habits that distract you and they just do no good. So whether it's TV, whether it's games on your phone, whether it's checking sports stats or checking your newsfeed, I know people that have their feed and they're always checking that. And like, it's just Facebook, whatever it is, you've got to cut those distractions out and, and you've got to really just take inventory of what you're spending your time on and are you being efficient with it? Yep. The more you take
1: control of your time, the, the better off you're going to be in, uh,
0: in the Absolutely. End. Absolutely. Cool. Well, let's get to today's topic.
1: Yeah. Today, we're going to talk about how investors get paid, uh, and specifically in syndications. Awesome. And I know, Todd, you've uh, done a lot of syndications, and I've, I've been a passive investor in a syndication, too. Uh, so, you know, getting paid is a great and wonderful thing for investors. Uh, so, uh, do you want to just cover briefly uh, how do investors get paid? Um, and then we'll de- take a deep dive into the different ways.
0: Well, how about you, how about you hit on that? I mean, you passively invested. Uh, you don't have to mention who you invested with, uh, but how is that syndication set up?
1: So it is, uh, I get paid in a few different ways. There are dividends uh, that I get every few months. And then uh, when the property either sells or refinances, uh, probably a few years from now, uh, then I'll get my original investment back plus uh, uh, you know, a certain proportion of the profits uh, based on how much I uh, invested in the beginning. And then of the uh, dividends I get, I have a preferred rate. Uh, and then if there's any... Above and beyond uh, profits uh, in that period, then I'll get a seventy percent of those, and then the uh, main guy uh, will get to the other thirty percent.
0: So it's a seventy thirty split. Uh, yep. Do you mind telling me about what the preferred is? Seven percent. Seven percent preferred. Okay, great. So yeah, seven percent preferred. Pretty pretty common to have anywhere between a six and eight percent preferred. I'm seeing that number going down. Um, seeing some some people bringing it down to that four to 5% preferred even. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you're seeing 70, 30 splits, pretty common. But what I'm seeing a little bit different is instead of uh, having it quite as high of a preferred, maybe having an 80, 20. So I've been seeing that a little bit where you've got a four to 5% preferred return with an 80, 20 split. Um, I've been, I've even seen people do 85, 15, and 90, 10. Uh, although I, you've got to question when you're getting those types of splits is the sponsor really making enough money to make it worth their time especially if things do go south and that's one thing that you got to look at as a as a passive investor is how much money is the sponsor making you don't necessarily need them to get filthy rich on on the property but you do need to make sure they're making enough money because if they're not well then what happens when times get tough i mean that's a question you've got to really ask yourself, you know, when, when things are great, oh yeah, they're, of course, they're going to be involved with the property. They're making money and they're making it easy. But when things go bad, when, when, when the, the, you know, the curtain gets kind of pulled back, it's like, okay, do we really, do we really trust that they're incentivized to to do anything or are they just going to walk away? So um, so yeah, traditional kind of my traditional setup has been uh, as the sponsor. And so we're getting a 2% acquisition fee and the acquisition fee is based on the purchase price. And so, you know, if, if the purchase price is, let's call it a million dollars, you get 2% of that. So you can get $20,000. And what that does is pays for your efforts up front, it pays for all your overhead costs that you've had up to that point. So you're gonna have overhead costs, such as like, I've got uh, some underwriters. um, I've got people that are looking for properties. um, And so you have to pay those people. Um, You know, you've just got general business costs, especially as you get larger, you've got general business costs. Um, So the acquisition fee, you know, helps, of course, pay the bills there. Um, plus you're going to make some profit. I'm not going to say you're not, you're just breaking even on that. You're going to make some profit unless you're only getting paid 10, 20 grand. Um, but, and it also can get split because there might be other partners that you bring into the deal. It might just not be you. So sometimes I partner with other people. Um, so might be, you know, maybe that acquisition fee is $100,000, but maybe I'm only getting um, 50000 of that, something like that. So so that's 2% of the the purchase price. And then you've got uh, another fee typically, and that's usually called an asset management fee. And that's usually between one and 3% of the um, gross revenue. And it varies, one to 3%, but usually it's kind of based on uh, the amount of gross revenue. You know, if you got a a big property, 300, 400 unit property, and it's got a lot of gross revenue coming in, 1% 1% is going to be plenty. Um, if you've got, you know, medium-sized property, you know, 150 unit or so, uh, 2% is probably going to be more standard. If you've got a small property, might be at 3 or 4% even if you got a small property. Uh, but what that does is it pays for an asset manager. I mean, somebody's got to manage the asset. Somebody's got to make sure they're con- contacting with the uh, property management, making sure the business plan is being followed, all that kind of stuff, make sure the construction Plan is being followed. Um, doing extra things beyond what the property management does to make sure you're you're getting the right tenant base and and uh, all that kind of stuff. So you want to make sure you've got a strong asset manager a team or asset management team in place. Um, that's that's really really important. And then the the go ahead.
1: Oh, I was just going to say it. It makes sense why you as the sponsor are making these fees because you are you know, putting in the work to make sure that the deal works out and the investors get a return on their investments.
0: Yeah. I mean, uh, and a lot of these fees, like my asset management fee, you can't look at that necessarily as profit. Now, we might make a couple bucks on that, but we don't really make money on the asset management fee. We're, we're working really hard to make sure these properties are running properly. And we've got people in place and we're spending extra money. And a lot of that's coming out of the asset management fee. Um, so you might see that they're taking a 40 or $50,000 asset management fee, but if they're doing it right, they're not really profiting. That's not a profit center. Um, you know, some people maybe do make it a profit center, but it shouldn't be a profit center it's a, it's a penny that, that part of the business is a penny business. You're making very little money on that part of it. You're making your money on your acquisition fee and you're making your money on the actual performance of the property. And that's where you're making your real money. So you got 70, 30 split as kind of your typical split. That's typically traditionally what I've done is a 70, 30 split. And I've done a a 7% preferred return is my typical preferred return. Um, and you're getting, you know, so, so 7% preferred means the investors get paid that 7% first, right? And any profit over top of that 7% gets split 70 to the investors, 30 to the general partner. Um, and so the goal obviously is general partners to get that profit up so they get some money. Um, and then at sale, it's a 70-30 split as well, typically on the equity. And some people do some waterfalls, you know, where if you hit a, let's call it a, a 14% IRR, um, then it goes to 50 um, might, 50. Might have a couple different waterfalls. Maybe if it's a 12%, it goes to 60 40. If it's 14%, it goes to 50 50. And maybe even do another one uh, where it's 16% and it goes to, you know, 60 64 or 40 60. 40 to the investor, 60 to the. General partner. So you can have those as well.
1: For, um, uh, for our new listeners, listeners, would you explain the difference between uh, preferred rate and IRR?
0: Yeah, so you've got your, well, a preferred rate of return is going to be just a simple, just kind of think of it as simple interest, right? You give $100,000, you're getting 7% annualized return right? So you're getting $7,000 per year. So if you, if, if you as an investor give 7000 or sorry, $10,000 and there's a 7% preferred return, you will make $7,000 per year. If the property sells in five years, you'll make $35,000. That preferred returns means you make $35,000 before the general partner takes a dollar in profit, every dollar beyond that that you make is you get seventy cents on every dollar made after that right is that that did that kind of explain it that's yep. the preferred what the irr means is an IRR is complicated and it's irR is easy manipulated, so I actually don 't like IRR that much. I like an equity multiple better. So, what, uh, but I'll quickly go through IRR. IRR basically, if we're going to get a 15% IRR, internal rate of return, that means I'm getting 15% on my money. I think of it as a simple rate of return. So, I got 15% simple rate of return. Uh, let's use 20% because that's an easy number to go with. So, if I get 20%, return on my investment every single year. Just a simple return. If I get 20% for five years, I double my money in five years, right? 20 times five is the 100%. So that would be your simple interest. Now an IRR, what that does, it takes into account the time value of money. Meaning I didn't give you 20% return year one and year two and year three and year four, and year five, what I probably gave you is 8%, 9%, 8%, 9%, you know, through the years. And then I gave you a big chunk at the end. So what that means is, yeah, your you did double your money, but as what IRR says is, yeah, but you didn't, you weren't able to utilize that money every single you know day or all, every single year evenly. So we're going to actually knock off a little bit of return. So instead of a 20, you're probably more like a 19 IRR. Does that, that yeah. makes sense? Okay. What I like is the equity multiple. And what that basically means is when do I double my money? What, what's, what percent am I making? So if I want a, an equity multiple, a two equity multiple, if I want to double my money, um, you know, and I can say, hey, this deal doubles your money. We get a two, two times equity multiple in seven years. You can go, okay, I get it. I double my money in seven years. Great. I like the deal, you know? So I like that more than the IRR because I I think it can be easily manipulated. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And how long would it take to double your money if you left it in the bank? A long time, a long time.
0: Maybe never. Hey, let's take a minute to thank our sponsor Pine Financial Group. Look, you work hard for your money. Is your money working hard for you? Because of inflation, money sitting idle erodes your wealth. Many investors understand that real estate is a great investment but may not want the effort or the risk that comes with owning their own property. They want to sit back and have payments Hit their bank account each and every month. Stop eroding your wealth and start building it by asking your money to work for you. You should be earning profits while you sleep in investment backed by real estate. Pine Financial Group, the leader in hard money lending in Colorado and Minnesota was recently approved to offer their investment publicly. This investment offers only for investors in Colorado and Minnesota, and is only made through the investment prospectus. Get your copy today. Simply visit www.pineinvestments.com and click to get started. There's a reason why some of the wealthiest people in history invest in loans backed by real estate. Learn more about the risks and returns at www.pineinvestments.com. It's www.pineinvestments.com. So yeah, so that's kind of the traditional model. Um, what we're seeing in, in a syndication, and I actually think it's it's kind of an interesting. I was talking to somebody the other day, and they're like, the the syndication model, like who came up with it and, and why? Like when we look at like right now, what's you know, what everybody else is making. Like, like, let's look at the stock market, for instance. You know, stocks return, you know, 8% after paying fees and stuff like that, you're probably like closer to 6 to 7%, okay? That's your average return. Um, and it's a volatile market, right? Stocks are volatile. Easy to lose money. Sometimes you gain a lot, sometimes you lose. We know it goes up and down. It's like a freaking yo-yo, right? Well, real estate is the second safest investment behind U.S. bonds, and it's the highest rate of return ahead of stocks. So if we've got the safest investment, why are we paying that much money to our investors? So uh, it's a really interesting model, and what's happening is it's it's hard to hit those metrics right now. It's hard for for deals to work because the model has – pushed so much to get these 15 to 20% IRR you know internal rate of return uh, metrics you know where we're trying to double our investors money in between 5 to 7 years that's that's really challenging to do right now and and so i, I was anyways i was talking to somebody about this and and they're like it, it's it's just really crazy that the real estate industry has decided that this is a necessary thing to do where every other industry, a 6 to 8% return is damn good. You know, um, so, so I, that, that's kind of got me to thinking about my modeling and what I'm doing. And not that I don't want to give my investors a lot of money, but I also want to do real estate deals. And I want to figure out good ways to make it a win-win for everyone. So I've kind of been playing around with different modeling on how to make it a win for everyone.
1: So how, um, you know, for investors that are looking at different syndications, uh, you know, each one is set up differently. How can they decide what model is right for them?
0: Well, you know, for one, it comes down to preference. Here's here's what I would be cautious about. A lot of people are promising great returns. I shouldn't say promising because you, you, if you're getting a syndicator that's promising, that's a big red flag right there. But a lot of people are showing these fantastic returns. And quite frankly, I think if you're being shown returns that are much over 15% internal rate of return, I think you're being sold a bill of goods. I don't think in today's market, I don't think that's very, very responsible. You know, maybe if we're 16 or whatever, but I think uh you know I've seen some fairly recently that are around that twenty percent nineteen twenty eighteen and I think that's that's challenging to to me to to look at seriously and say, are you're really going to provide that return and why are you so optimistic that you can get that when right now our market is not behaving like that in order to achieve those numbers so um, you know, as an investor, I think you really have to look at the model. Uh, obviously, you have to look at the performance. But you have to look at the numbers really carefully and, and how are they truly achieving these numbers and what are they, what are they really um, perceiving as being able to, you know, the metrics they're being able to hit. Uh, I think you need to educate yourself. I think you really need to educate yourself. So I think you need to be very aware of what's going on in the, in the current markets and what could be going on in the future and decide, okay, is this investment really makes sense?
1: And it seems like the the higher projected returns uh, that someone is talking about, the, the higher risk that investment might be as well.
0: I would say so. Yeah. I would say if you're seeing projected returns in the 18 to 20% range, um, I think it's super high risk. I think it's extremely high risk that you're not going to make those returns or even get close to them right now. Or, you know, I think it's a sign. Personally, I think it's a sign of a a company that maybe is a a little too optimistic and is is not being prudent on what they're really, uh, what's going on in the market. Um, And I don't want to sit here and like slam everybody because that's not my intent. I mean, there might be some deals that are just that good. But I, I think it's. I, I don't think there's a ton of them out there like that.
1: And I know, Todd, you were looking at different kinds of um, models for your uh, investor paying. Um, what what sort of models were you looking at? <laughs>
0: Yeah. So right now I'm, I'm going, okay, I want, I want different strategy. I want a different strategy that allows me to get into deals that are still good deals. Like I don't want to just get into deals just to get into deal. It doesn't make that, that doesn't get me going at all. Um, but what I'm looking at is, okay, how do I make this deal work really well for my investors and yet really well for me providing them good ample return. So what I'm looking at is, is getting a, a nice solid preferred return with very little Oh, or no upside equity in the deal. Um, so I'm looking at different ways of structuring that where we're maybe providing a eight to ten percent preferred return on the cash on cash. so they're getting that eight to ten percent. and then upon either a sale or a refinance, they're getting the some additional upside. Um, And so they're getting like an, an additional couple percent of preferred return. So overall, their pref over the life of the investment would be that between that like 10 to 12%. They're sharing less in the upside, potentially even none in the upside. Yet their downside risk is very, very limited because it's all, it's, it's highly preferred. You know, it's, it's, you know, we're at, like I said, we're at eight to 12% preferred. So the investor can sleep pretty well at night going, I, I feel pretty confident I'm getting my 12, my 10, my 12%. Now they might say, well, but I don't like the fact that I don't share in that that upside. But the thing is you don't share nearly as much in the downside either. The good thing, like what I like about the model the, the, that I'm kind of creating is that, I'm not taking the asset management fee anymore and it's all preferred. It's all a pref. And so you're, you're getting your, your money before I am. So it's all performing. Like I have to perform in order to do this. The other thing I like is it gives me an opportunity to do what I want with the property. Uh, So I don't necessarily have to be tied to this five-year plan. I can go out farther down the road at 10 year, 15 year. And so that's kind of what I'm looking at is how can I get into properties and maintain ownership for longer period of time and still be really giving my investors a positive uh, investment that gives them very solid, I mean, solid returns.
1: So it seems like this is a more a, a way for investors to feel that their returns are more reliable, and and they they know their, what they're going to get, and and uh, you know how long they're going to get it for a longer period of time. Yeah, uh, so that they feel more secure in the investment.
0: It's is definitely a more stable, um, more stable investment where you're getting that higher pref, and it you know, you, you so there, there's I would say an extremely good chance that you're gonna get your prep, right? There the the downside about this strategy and what I'm kinda of like, oh you know, I can see some investors not liking it is they don't share nearly as much upside and potentially no upside in the property. So I can see some people not liking that. But the but the good thing is you also don't share the downside. So you get you definitely get that uh that upside potential or that kind of safer
1: investment. So instead of a roller coaster, it's a smooth ride the whole way. Right,
0: right. Yeah, you know what you're going to get. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, when you put your investment in, you put your $100,000 in, you're going to get that preferred return. It's not still not a guarantee, right? There's there's no guarantees. Um, but it's, I don't, I don't get paid as a sponsor unless that happens. Um, I like having less fees because then, then you know that you're getting paid.
1: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Uh, when do you think you'll start using this model?
0: You know, good question. Um, I, I've been kind of underwriting deals based on it, looking at deals. And there's, there's a couple things that are limiting on it is it's the deal has to have good cash flow. So I can't have like, if my cash on cash return is 6%, it just doesn't work, right? The cash on cash return has to be good enough to hit the preferred return metrics. Um, It doesn't have to have nearly as much upside. So we don't have to. Here's the thing with the traditional syndication, what a lot of people are doing, and this kind of drives me nuts, is they don't have great cash flow throughout the life of the project, and they're basing the returns on the sale of the property. And that's the risk, right? Because we're all assuming this real estate values are gonna continue to climb and blow up. Well, if that happens, then great, you're fine. But what happens if a recession happens during this time? Now, you had this model that had very little cash flow and a huge upside at the end. Well, now it's flipped upside down. Now, what do you do? You can't sell anymore or your your IRR is now at, you know, 4%. Could go like that really quick where this model that I'm looking at, we have to have good cash flowing assets. We don't have to have really big upside in the end. Of course, am I looking for upside? Absolutely. But we don't have to have massive upside. We can have good cash flow. And that's, that's really what we're looking for. So when am I looking to do this as soon as possible, as soon as I find the right properties that have good cash um, with a little bit of upside and in st- strong, stable markets. And the other thing is I don't want to do it on a property where I've got to raise like $10 million. And I don't know if I've switched my model, if I'm going to have, my investors on board. I want to make sure I've got enough investors on board. So it'll probably be on a slightly smaller deal, you know, like a, a hundred-unit deal or something like that. That's a little bit smaller.
1: Yeah, cash flow is a beautiful thing, and it uh, you know anyone can do well when the market is on the on the rise. But uh, it sounds like you have a good plan for regardless of what the market is going to do.
0: Yeah, and that's the key is is well, I don't know what the market's going to do, you know. But I I wake up one day and I think man, this market's just awesome. It's going to continue. I don't see any end in sight. And I go to bed that same day and I go, man, I, I, I think the market's going to crash you know, soon. And so we, none of us know what's going to happen, but we all have to, we have to base our buying. I base my decisions on, I know there's going to be a recession in the future and I want to make sure I'm hedging against that.
1: So if uh, people are looking to get more information about what you have going on, how can they contact you or, or where can they find more information?
0: Well, yeah, I mean, if anybody wants to talk to me about, you know, really anything I do, I mean, I'm definitely an open book. I'm happy to share. I mean, that's why I have this podcast, so, uh, but they, they can go right onto our, the website. I actually have a special report on the website, VentureDProperties.com, VentureDProperties.com. Um and they can connect with me. My email is just Todd at venture dot com or they can go on to my, my coaching site too is as coachwithdex.com. And um of course we have got Pillars of Wealth Creation uh Facebook page and pillars of wealth dot com and so they can go on there and connect as well. They can connect. Uh, they can message you on the Facebook page too. And so, yeah. I and mean, anybody who wants to know more information or kind of get more details on this modeling, if they want to switch their, uh, if syndicator and they want to kind of switch what they're doing, um, I'd be happy to kind of connect with them and, and, uh, help them out as well. I mean, this is, this is new to me, right? I've been doing the 70, 30 split 2%, 2%. Um, and so this is kind of a new model to me so i 'm i'm molding it as I go, trying to work it around the right deal, make sure that it works well for the investors and for for my company as well very cool
1: yeah so uh anything else to add about uh, uh, your your new system
0: no i think I think that's about it i mean i don 't want to be dead horse i mean it's it's honestly it 's all about providing your investors really good returns and providing them something. With safety and security, it's backed by real estate, of course, which we love. And and uh, you know, we I just I just see it as a is a model that's a win for everyone, and allows me to my company to grow as it wants to grow, and allows investors to continue to create a really good passive uh, income and and easy to continue to invest this money. Perfect. So. Awesome, man. Well, that's it. That's all we got. So we'll talk to you uh, next week. Make every day Saturday. Hey, thanks for listening to the show. A couple things before we go again, go on to our Facebook page, Pillars of Wealth. We'd love to have you on there. Go on to iTunes, give us a rating and review and subscribe to the show. Also, um, you know, don't forget, reach out to me if you want any help with uh, potentially growing your business, and reach out to John Styles to help you buy or sell real estate. Thanks for listening. We appreciate it. Have a fantastic the rest of the day, and as I say, make every day a Saturday.